Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to an opening night recording of the Boston Header Podcast. I am Chris, aka not the fake Webby. I am joined as always by Hal Bridius, aka Hal, aka Jake. It's finally here. It's the game is over. Uh, I am like forty six clips into a seventy eight clip game. I think it was. Uh, it's too many, too many clips. Uh, but we're ready to go. <laughs> His eyeballs are what, crying what, right now. What we're learning is that I am not in midseason form yet. <laughs> well, I feel like neither were the Pistons or the Bulls from that game. That was not a pretty basketball game to watch. I feel That's like what a we lot call bad basketball, TM. Yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Pistons definitely uh, dragged the Bulls down to their level and tried to beat them up at it until the Bulls remembered, hey, we have a lot of really good players. That's, and just that's, that's cruising B-A-D-B-A-S-K-T. BSK Mason, I need some help. Fuck. <laughs> Bask. E-T-B-A-L-L-Alt-O-1-5-3-T-M symbol. Bad basketball trademarked. We spent way too long on that bit. All right. We, so We spent way too long watching bad basketball trademarked. We have. And we have a lot more of it to watch. <laughs> there's, there's 81 more games. Uh, I, I actually, I think we undersold how nice it was that the worst season we've ever had came in the 72-game season. <laughs> that is true. We, <laughs> There's we a lot less skip, basketball to watch. We got to skip 10 games of that shit, and we're going to get 82 this year. Like I I said this on Twitter. I am at least 85% sure that Corey Joseph was in the game to end that game purely because he was the option to lead the tank. Because he was terrible today. He was abysmal there was multiple times when i saw him on the floor and he was just flailing about and i'm like are we playing basketball what what is what are you doing out there you're just a flail of limbs at the moment okay so we we have maybe some news to cover before we get too far into this uh and the only thing that really matters is there's still no Cade. and yep uh, that was the big news of the night i we i think we heard from rod that he suspects that it'll be the next home game um that just kind of seems to be the popular opinion that I've heard from the beat guys. Um, mm-hmm. It makes sense. You want to give the the superstar rookie his debut at home. Um, that'll give him like a full week's rest. That uh, next and home game some. is not until Orlando on the thirtieth. That is correct. So um, he will have plenty of time. We, will now, all he, be... we could all be wrong, and he could start at Atlanta um, the twenty fifth. Maybe would be the next probably plausible time, but. I don't yeah, see any reason to push it. I think he's definitely going to be out from the sounds of it for this weekend game against Chicago as we finish the kind of home and home against them. Um, and then we play the Hawks quickly on Monday. I would not expect him to be back, but Philly is a week from now on the 28th. Possibly, maybe that's when he's back, but I imagine I am not starting Cade Cunningham against Matisse Thibel in his first <laughs> NBA game. I'm sorry. That would be sabotage. <laughs> Absolutely I, not. I, I agree. <laughs> Start him against the Magic and Start him against just the Magic. Destroy whatever point guard they roll out at the time. Orlando's got like seventeen point guards. It's kind Orlando's of actually like a good defensive team, but like they're not. Uh, none of those guys are Matisse Thybulle unless they manage to put Jonathan Isaac on him. Like, is Isaac even playing? I don't think Isaac I is even think playing so. right now. Anyways. I think he's back. I thought he was. He's still back from injury, and then there's also the whole vaccine thing, which is when you need to get into that, but. Well, he's yeah, not He's not in one of the cities. It's only L.A. and New York that uh, you can't play in your home arena if you're not vaxxed. If I, if I do remember from Fantasy Basketball, though, I think he is still out. I don't think he's back yet with the team. Still from his ACL or Achilles or whatever injury he had last. Let me see. Um, 
He was he's not listed as out for the 20th. Oh, really? He's not. I don't see him. Uh, he Do was listed out on September 30th for something, but not. Uh, Gary Harris is the only mm-hmm. one that's that's out for Wednesday's opener against the Spurs. Interesting. Yep. All right. So enough enough injury talk. Let's get <laughs> yep. to the basketball. What did you see tonight? So the first thing that I got to notice, besides of course the bad basketball that we all had to endure, yeah, a lot of it. Um, one of the things I did like, I hate to say this, and I hate for this to be the first thing I'm going to talk about. Are you going to talk about Kelly Olynyk on my podcast? I am going to talk about Kelly Olynyk on your podcast. Christ. I'm going to mute you. Uh, your Kelly entire Olenek audio is defi- track is going going in the mutes. <laughs> Kelly Olynyk is the definition of the player that you hate on other people's teams, but when he's on your team, you're like, mm, no, I kind of he does some no, things. I still, I still hate that are good. I still hate. He had. Kelly he's always good. He had, he's always well. He, I shouldn't say always good. He's always been a serviceable player. He's just also always been a giant pile of dirt. Yeah, as a you know, as a basketball player, in terms of some of the methods and the tactics he uses, I'm not here to condone that. But he did have a couple of good plays in the game. He had. He tried to rip somebody's arm out twice tonight, and I didn't clip it. I refrained from clipping it, but it happened at least twice. The part that really got me was the bone crushing screen that he had at the beginning of the first or at the end of the first hey, quarter. Hey, that was legal. <laughs> yeah, that one was actually legal. It was just but definitely was a. This I'm, guy is from I'm Canada sure and was Caruso used to watching hockey. had to hockey. go through the concussion protocol, but that was legal. Caruso was a pest that game. My God, I, I don't know why the Lakers people, let him go. I mean, a little sidebar: this Lakers team does not look good to me. Like everyone's nope. like, oh, they're you know they got Russ and like they're just overrating what Russ is at this point. By the way, their first game yesterday, uh, he was like a minus seventeen. So he was awful for my fantasy team. Tell me just, about it. Just saying, but like, just just in your head, just say it out loud. They traded, uh, they got rid of KCP and Alex Caruso. Uh, Caruso is a very good defender and turned into an elite three-point shooter. KCP is a pretty good defender and a pretty good three-point shooter. Uh, and oh, and uh, um, uh, Green, Danny Green, who is mm-hmm. you know a very good defender and three-point shooter. All three of those guys, really super valuable role players that you're going to pay good money to to get them on your contender. And they replace them with fucking Malik Monk, and like everyone's <laughs> like going crazy for Malik Monk. He, can't, he, yeah. he was on a fucking cocaine suspension two years ago, and you trust Malik Monk to be your Malik like, Monk's sixth been man? a pretty solid last and year like, in Charlotte. And like, it was honestly kind of surprising. This isn't there, but. intended to be Malik Monk slander. Like, Alex Caruso is maybe the best player in the league at what he does. <laughs> like, he's really. The best, yeah. Well, at being like <laughs> the 3 and D point guard. Like, it's him and Lonzo Ball, conveniently, both on the Bulls. Like, they're both incredible at that very specific. Like playing off the ball, not being ball dominant, defending. I don't. I don't get this Lakers team. I don't think they're gonna be, like they're not coasting to the one seed. Like everyone just thinks they will. Their defense is not gonna be good. They're gonna be like the fourteenth best defense instead of the fourth. At, I mean, they still do have Anthony Davis manning the back, so they're not gonna be a bad defense. Is a, defense is a five man thing. It is, but it can definitely be helped by someone like an Anthony Davis. You're starting Probably. Russell Westbrook at point guard. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with you there. I had to watch Russ on the Wizards last year. He is a liability defensively for most of the night, and then he gets two straight steals, and you're like, oh, it's Russell Westbrook. He can do stuff like, like that. I just the, but, the yeah, teams that, that are really good. Constructed. The, the, uh, the teams that are really good in the regular season are teams that have a lot of inning eaters, right? Teams that have guys, you know, different guys who can just get you 15 points a night. 
in different ways and win you random games as long as you have like the 15th best defense. The Lakers don't have that. They're going to have to be, you know, a showtime every game they need to win. And I just we can we can move on from that, but I that yeah, that we, every every preseason and... like podcast where everyone was doing predictions and stuff, they were just like the Lakers are like a great team in the West. And I'm like how like their ceiling is high, but their floor is catastrophically low. They could easily be the seven or eighth seed again, even if they're mostly healthy. I think the Lakers will. I don't think they're going to be that bad. I think they're probably going to settle into like a three, four, five seed. But they have LeBron and Anthony Davis in the playoffs. I, mean, I say reasonably healthy, deep, hoping that so. both of those guys give you sixty games. Yeah, like I don't think, I think either one I of them is giving you eighty-two. <laughs> I hope for their sake that they actually get some rushing for an MVP again this year, like he was last year. All right, I pray not. Back to the Pistons. Back to the Pistons. Um, (laughs) Sadiq Bay looks really good. Oh my god, he looks so good. Like he had, I haven't, I don't think I've gotten the clip out onto my timeline yet, but he had like one play where he was like sprinting down the floor in transition and like got the ball and just like quick did the wraparound pass to Stu, Mm -hmm. and I was just like, "Yep, we've seen him do the. uh, He's doing a lot of the." like the Chris Middleton pick and rolls where it's like, it's actually like the pick and roll starts inside the three point line. He's just kind of creeping around the elbow area, finding a pocket and playing around with guys. Um, and in that space, he's able to control like the time really well. Like it's a congested area, but just the way those, those short pick and rolls work, those tight space pick and rolls work. Um, he's able to control the timing. He doesn't have to accelerate or decelerate or, or try and beat anyone with pace. And in those positions, he's starting to really get passing. And I like that. But it's mm-hmm. the it's the ability to like when when I see him make that that wraparound to Stu at full speed like almost diving out of bounds, those are like the really quick perception plays that like I don't think he was seeing at all last year. I didn't even think he was very good at them in summer league this year. So that was really cool to see. Um, we've seen it a little bit else uh, elsewhere in preseason, but he just continues to look really strong and and you know is clearly having a more composed game scoring as well. Yeah. I think there wasn't his best shooting night, especially from three. He, his, I don't know if his jump shot looked off. You could probably speak to that more, but he just didn't look. He at least took he wasn't like, like two or three, right? Am I, I? I don't have the box score in front of me. I should pull that up. I know he took at least three, but he just from deep he just looked a little off. Which I think that's just more. It's early in the season that'll level out later on. Uh, it was 0-4. But in terms of okay. going towards the basket, he was even better than last year, and he looked a lot more confident going to the hole. There's one play specifically. In the half court, where he, I think he went off um, a screen. I can't remember who was the screener, and did it like a euro step and just oh, absolutely eviscerated yeah. Vucevic. The, the, he he came off. He nasty. came off. Uh, was, I think it's it was a, a stew screen. And uh, but but he did the he did the inside out euro with the Wade gather where you go over your head, and oh, it was that was pretty. That one is on my. Time. I think it broke Vuce's mind for like a half a second because Vuce, Vuce just didn't even move. Had <laughs> a very bad day. <laughs> He got Vooch's first toasted, quarter was not great. Roasted, cooked, baked, everything. Just he was being picked on on defense. Uh, he couldn't score anything. I have like four more clips that I haven't even tweeted yet of Stu just stonewalling him, and I've already put like five yep. or six on the timeline. Um, Stu just like manhandled him. Yeah, Vooch, that was Vooch my last. Couldn't move him. Stu was moving him on the block. Uh, he they just like he couldn't defend. Uh, Vooch couldn't defend anything that Stu was doing, which, like, honestly, Stu is not the hardest person to defend in pick and roll, so that's just embarrassing. Um, it just, like, if you would only ever watch this game, you would be taking Isaiah Stewart for your team over Vooch, like, in a heartbeat. <laughs> like, it wouldn't even be a decision for you. So, um, yeah, that was 
that was a bad night for Pooch. Yeah, the, th the thing I noticed especially with Stu was that he looked like very, his footwork was very nice and very smooth when he was down low in the post, um, scoring against Vooch, but especially on the defensive end. I feel like he let Vooch kind of get in a little bit and kind of get that like back in, and then immediately stonewalled and just was like, you got to where I'm comfortable, and I'm going to stop you now. And yeah, just he, he never a jumped. lot of shots and just just was a pest to Vooch, the, to the point where Vooch got a tech for it. Yeah, and he, he just never I, I jumped. I think it was directly that, because I think of Stewart, it really but was. I don't think the technical was directly from something that Stewart immediately did, but just no, the, overall the tech, frustration about dealing with him. The tech came after he got absolutely creamed on a block. Yeah. And it was a legal block, but he just got the shit. Like, the, his soul got snatched out of him. And then he got roasted in transition going the other way. And he was not happy. Yeah. He was 7 <laughs> he, of 21 tonight. 15, yeah. 15 and, rebounds. That was definitely the thing. Uh, there was a lot of times where Grant ended up, like, on him rebounding. And that was bad. But, uh, yeah, he yeah. had a miserable day. Uh, I would shooting like to see the shot too, because I feel like... Terrible. I feel like Vooch had a lot more... I don't feel like Vooch got more than a couple buckets in the paint. A lot of them were, like... Kind of pick and pop. He, he was one of four from three. Well, and that's a good thing to flow into another uh, another thing I'd written down. The Pistons really sucked at guarding empty side pick and rolls today, um, mm. and that's mostly because they run a drop scheme and Vooch is a popping big. And when you're on the empty side, uh, there's just no rotation for the popping big. Um, you know, you, your uh, Stu drops to cover the ball handler. You have you know Killian in, in a couple of the cases chases the ball handler. You know, they pinch him down in kind of the dunker spot area, but then Vooch is just floating in the three-point line and wide open. Um, so when you when you run that, you basically have to have Killian switch back. There's You know, you just have to have him chase two or three steps inside the line and peel away and hope yeah, that Stu's, up and defend on Stu's it. Yeah. contested there. Because um, if, if, uh, if, if they do throw it away and, like, they want to post you up, if he's got to march you down all the way from the three-point line, there's enough time to ram, you know, scram switch that and get Stu back on there, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. So they were just not good doing that. But it was, uh, it's a great example of what you can do, the same thing with Kelly Olenek, probably even a little better from the pick-and-pop perspective. And we saw that a lot in the preseason. I, I clipped that a couple times just, um, and I thought actually today the Pistons didn't run anything that I saw to get Olenek uh, in like a two-man game on the empty side. I think they did, I think they ended up there once. And it wasn't off the set had, play, so yeah, there was definitely one that was weird with Olinick with the ball, and I think Trey Lyles set the screen and then immediately rolled, and it was a, yeah. it was definitely the right side weak side. They, there were like three and or four Olinick Lyle like pick and roll things, and I was just like, this is not okay. I don't know what this is, but <laughs> it worked though. <laughs> it, it was weird. It looked odd. It's it's not your two bench did, bigs are not if you want run a pick and roll. <laughs> did it work? I think one time like Lyles tripped on somebody and they called it a foul on the defender and I was just like, He definitely no. got a layup on one of them. No. He would just came up to the screen and immediately ran. I remember it was on the right side, but um I know you brought up Killian. What did you think of his his game in, in this kind of as the you know, the main point guard he has Frank so Jackson first next of to all, him? First of all, he had three points. That three he shot in the deep corner oh, off the grenade. Yeah, I don't know I how went he went back and replayed that. that one. He that was a totally legal thing. They called him for a travel, and it wasn't a travel. Oh, it was a travel. Oh. I count. I counted the steps. It wasn't a travel. So that's a good play. Uh, that's a great shot. I love it. Train um, the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I I said this on on Twitter, and I think it's it's still the way I summarize it. The big knock on him coming in was like. Oh, he's not fast. He's not explosive. He's not going to get into the paint. The reason everyone is frustrated with Killian right now is that he's not finishing all these looks where he's mm -hmm. got two feet in the paint. 
And we've just like skipped over the fact that we were all concerned. Like, what if he doesn't get into the paint? He's living in the paint and he's just not yeah. finishing in there. Like he's, he's already doing sure. the thing that we thought, or we worried he might not be able to do. So like, there are so many things he needs to fix and there's so little, like he is, he is beating guys routinely. And I've got a couple links on my Twitter of him beating a guy and then like fading away. And it's like, all you have to do is take that one step, get your shoulder in front, you know, absorb a little contact from behind. And then you've got either the lob or the finish, depending on what the big does, right? You, you, you get that two V one, you're set. And he just mm-hmm. can't get physical, which is, it's so strange because he's, he's a very physical defender. He yeah, gets he's so on the physical floor the for loose balls. The floor. <laughs> like, he's a, he gets on the boards. Like, I don't understand why he has such a, a trouble with the, the finishing and physicality. So that's annoying. Um, I, but again, I thought he was really good defending pick and rolls. He had a couple of off ball help things where he was a step too far away from his man, which is a, a common thing for him. Um, and I don't think we had too many foul issues today. That's been a thing for him. I'm checking the box score today. Only one foul. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, yeah. yeah, I, I, I think it was a fine game. Five rebounds, two assists. Uh, he probably could have had a, like five or six assists, which would have made the stat line look much nicer. There were a couple of like just really bad wide open misses. Like Frank missed, I think two wide open threes for him, which sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's yeah, definitely I, a lot of uh, issues shooting, I think, with the Pistons team, which I think is my biggest concern right now is there's no real three-point threat on this team. Like, Jeremy Grant is I disagree phenomenal, but Grant, I don't know if Grant's he's a good someone shooter. who... Bay is a good shooter. Frank Jackson is a good shooter. Kelly Olenek is a good shooter. Trey Lyles is a serviceable shooter. Corey Joseph is a serviceable shooter. Uh, Jamorco Pickett is an okay shooter. Luca Garza is supposed to be a good shooter. Much. Like, you're st- you're st- your non-shooters are Stu, uh, Killian... And, uh, like, Josh and Hami are kind of non yeah. Like, it's not actually that bad. Last year was bad. This year it's not that bad, especially with, with uh, Kelly Olenek being able to add that know. from multiple angles. I just, um, I'm trying to figure out who's that going to be that. Wayne Ellington, like, dish it out for a three. He's going to make it every single time. Frank. Like, I mean, I guess it's going to be Frank. I, it, you got to expect it to be Frank. He's a, he's a guy I expect to be a 40% three-point shooter. Also Cade. Also Sadiq. Um, That's true. I guess... Frank just doesn't think a little bit more run. Like if if your starting lineup is Killian, bucket, though. <laughs> if, if you're starting Killian, Cade, Sadiq, Jeremy, Olenek, I mean, obviously I think we're going to see Stewart most of the time, but if you were starting Olenek, like mm-hmm. you're starting three guys that I expect to be 40% shooters and like, well, probably probably two guys that I would expect to be 40% shooters and like three guys that I would expect to be like 30, no, two guys I would expect to be like 37 and then Killian. Like okay. I would, ex- I would, I, so I would, ex- I would, I'm trying to say like I would expect yeah. Kelly and uh, Jeremy Sadiq. Like I would expect all those guys to be like above league average. Is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like Killian's the only non-league average shooter, and I again, I think eventually he will grow into the shot. Obviously, it's not there yet, but I think I think it's coming. Um, yeah. Anyway, to wrap up the Killian talk, I thought he was pretty aggressive, which I liked. Um, you know, I thought just generally he's trying to get downhill in ways that I liked. Um, mm-hmm. Stop parking yeah, I like him how we in the got corner. To the rim. Stop parking him in the corner. There's way too many sets where he like comes up to a, like a, a horn set, throws it to Jeremy Grant, and then runs to the corner. You are wasting everyone's time to get him involved. Like at mm-hmm. least, at the very least, have him run a token pick and roll before giving it to Jeremy to like upset the defense. Like that's the whole point of Ice here. I don't think we saw a single set where Killian was a designated get downhill pick and roll player with a designated like 
we're going to target the shake action to get a shooter open on the corner. I don't think we saw one. Yeah. That can't happen. Um, mm-hmm. That's it's bad offense. And I know that's not the. I know Dwayne Casey isn't a pick and roll offense guy, but I'm sorry, you drafted a guy who was a volume <laughs> pick and roll playmaker, and you yeah, need to fucking best let strength him play was in the pick and roll <laughs> stuff. That's, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that 100. percent All right. What else did you see? I mean, we covered kind of my main three big things that I had written down um, with Sadiq, Kelly, and Stu. Anything in particular you saw that we have not touched on yet? Uh, I thought this was one of the better Hami uh, defensive performances Ooh, that we've was, seen. That was one more thing I want to say. It was Hami and Josh Jackson. I liked a lot how they played. Continue what you were saying. I was going to say, DDR, Josh um, DeMar, DeMar uh, A. DeRozan? Uh, what? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say, A, Sadiq Bay just like decided to out DeMar DeMar for like a long stretch <laughs> of the game, and I loved that so much. Uh, B... Hami was like all over him, and it, this was a really good job from him. I I often think that in spite of his tools, he gets, um, what's the, what's the the right phrase like ahead of his shoes or ahead of his skis a little bit defensively. Like he skis. just ah, he just he just like he bites too much, and he he expects himself to be able to recover, <laughs> you know. And I just like I thought he was, uh, he was still like overplaying things, but he was overplaying things by fifteen percent. You know, within a margin he could recover from instead of by 45%. You know, I mean, I think a good example of that, a good way to kind of put a picture to what you're talking about was the punt fake that DeMar uh, got Hami on that Hami about jumped to the moon on. So, yeah, I think that's definitely a good way to, a good, uh, good phrase for it, getting ahead of his skis. But I, th- I scared thought me of that one. That, that's been a, a common issue I've had with him defensively is it looks like he's doing a lot, but because it looks like he's doing a lot, he's doing too much. And I didn't think that was the case today. I thought he did a great job. Um, he had a, a stretch where he was really creating turnovers and causing chaos. Um, and then, oh my God, Josh, that, that, uh, chase down he had in like the, oh. the third quarter. It's I just, think it was the fourth. Uh, he just third makes it in art yeah. form. He just like, yeah. he almost, it almost looked like he, he was like, I'm going to let you have this one just so I can take it. <laughs> just so I can take it back. Like, I, to I, me, I, that looked like he, like when, uh, we lost the ball offensively, I believe that was a turnover. It was like a fast break for the Bulls. Yeah. You could just see the look on his face when he started running. I'm like, oh, he's gonna block this. And yeah. Sure enough, just he, it, it was like it was it was almost like he let uh, Io Dosunmu like cross his body specifically so he could line up the block. And yeah. like poor poor rookie Io had no idea. He didn't know what's coming. And then Josh said, "Oh, give me that shit." And then he took it. And that pun was good. And it that tweet deserved more respect. <laughs> I am dead. Um, <sighs> on that punny note, <laughs> uh, I think the last thing I just want to say is Zach Levine is really fucking good. Yep, at offense, <laughs> the defense bit, <laughs> whatever. But but he he's had some good plays. Really, he had a good block. Really good. Um, I like the player that he's developed into. I think, especially early on in his career, there's a lot of doubts on you know how good he could really be. Is he going to be anything more than just like a a volume scorer? But I think for the Bulls last year, especially. He's really kind of morphed into an all-around player that can kind of do it all. The, and the free throw spike last year was huge. That too. It was, as somebody drafted him in the fantasy league, it is brilliant <laughs> to have him. Um, but it, with my problem is not so much with Levine as much as the team around him. I'm not sure how like Vooch and DeRozan, like players are all like. I'm not quite. He, it's it's my, a lot like they're not the my Suns. favorite fit around him. It's it's a lot like the Suns and Devin Booker. Where you would like if he was if he if you swapped him and Devin Booker, you'd be like really happy with what Levine's situation would be, but it just like doesn't 
the the way Chicago plays, it's like it's it's their team is just way too set up for your turn, my turn stuff, right? Like yep. they just they they just don't have point guard play. Like Levine is a good playmaker for a guy who's a primary slasher, scorer, driver. He's not a point player. He's not a guy who's going to get you eight assists a game. And they need a table setter more than they need to put the ball in Demar Derozan's hands. Um, yeah, which, I mean that's that's what the bank now with Lonzo. I shouldn't we'll say see. that because Demar actually with the Spurs became a very good playmaker, but just that that team is very confusing. For them to be a top level team, you need someone better than Demar to be that at this point in that the stage in his career. I think is kind of what I think you kind of mean by that. But Demar yeah. can do it, but he's not who you want doing it all the time, and that's why they signed Lonzo Ball to all that he, money. He's, he's a good playmaker, but like, hope you you don't want Zach Levine playing off Demar. Uh, Vooch pick and rolls like it just that it just doesn't feel right yeah and, and, and you just you just say it out loud and you're like that math does not work whatever that is yeah you want you want the ball in Levine's it, hand it, you it want feels Spursian without having any Popovich to it which is just why it doesn't feel right um that would be a lot better team on the Spurs put that core there <laughs> <laughs> right you just put them in black and white and you're like okay no this I I see this but someone says you pop. just trust pop <laughs> to uh to just like make a top 10 defense out of it but you know that Pop would, like, team. start Jakob Pertl instead of Vooch. Marcus Smart just hit, like, a buzzer beater to tie it against the Knicks, and I don't know what Tracy Morgan is wearing, but he's doing his best. Flavor <laughs> uh, Flav impression. Sorry, I'm trying to... I got totally distracted by that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you record live during games. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so why we don't quick, usually record during the games. <laughs> real quick, before we go into, like, some of the more meta discussion, um, we looked at the schedule a minute ago, mm-hmm. and I want to pull it back up here. It is full schedule. It's a brutal it start. Is, that it is Chicago, <laughs> away to Chicago on Saturday, away to Atlanta on Monday, uh, away to Philadelphia on the 28th, Thursday the 28th, and then the yep. next home game is the 30th Saturday versus Orlando before an, a back-to-back versus the Nets on <laughs> Halloween. So here's, here's my to, question. Oh yeah, Going into the game versus the Nets, do the Pistons have a win? One win. <laughs> one win. You know which one it's going to be. But You're going to call win. for Orlando? I'm going to call Orlando. They're going to try all out to win that because I don't think we're winning. Ah, actually, no. I think that we have a small chance to beat the Bulls because the Bulls, like I said, or I said before we started recording, um, that game the that back. they play is a back-to-back. Yeah. So, like, there's a chance they win that game. But I think the main one is going to be that magic one. Like you said, hopefully by that point, Cade is back and playing. And it's at home. It will hopefully be a big game. If you, if you have a home game, Cade starts... You're hoping you're riding some vibes there that uh, Orlando is not, but because yep. uh, then is, after that, <laughs> after that is okay. Brooklyn no, on I, will lock, I will lock it in because I just looked at the Magic schedule and they play at Toronto the night prior. The Pistons will have the Pistons will beat the Magic. Also, I think the Magic are the worst team in the NBA. So that's the, my other. Oklahoma City exists. Also, Houston. Yeah, but Shea Gildress Alexander and they got some fun little guys. Uh, we'll see. I, we'll I think Orlando, Orlando has some tools where, similar to Detroit, they can just be like really gritty and hard to play against in a way that I don't know that OKC can. But I think um, the Magic have a million people I like pulling up their depth chart: Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony, Gary Harris, R.J. Hampton, Franz Wagner, Terrence Ross, Chuma Okeke, uh, Wendell Carter Jr., Mo Bamba, Robin like Lopez. Mo Bamba's, like, There's a million players okay. I like. Yeah, Bamba looked good apparently at the end of last year. So, like, there's some. I mean, there's some people there, but you really need one of them to take a step up, and I just don't expect that to happen. Like, I, I don't think they're going to be good. I just think like they have, uh, 
Um, again, similar, similar to Detroit, they have like a Spurs. they have a baseline <laughs> of like guys who will compete defensively that are going to make them hard to play against. Like you're not going to just. It's I don't think you're going to walk into Orlando and, and blow them out like 130 to 96 on a regular basis. Um, but then Halloween, Brooklyn at Brooklyn. Then it's home against Milwaukee, home against Philly, home <laughs> against Brooklyn, and so the next uh, that you probably don't get uh, win number two or three until Wednesday the tenth against uh, Houston at Houston and uh, at Cleveland, and then Toronto, Sacramento, Indiana has like you might be like two and thirteen. <laughs> like the start <laughs> yeah. to this season is going to break backs. It is a hellish start to the season. It's. Uh, I'm very glad that I want to tank the shit out of this year and don't care because uh, if I cared, like it, it we might be like 30 games into the season before anyone had any like plausible uh, expectation of us reaching like a 400 record. And on top of that, um, the East is kind of good this year. It's kind of deep. So yes, that's better the thing than I the think West. Anyone that's like, oh, maybe the Pistons can do it. Like this is a. This conference goes like ten teams deep. That's, like, I I had someone ask me today, like, "Oh, you want to tank? Why do you want to tank?" And it's like, because other than Grant, we don't have anyone we can guarantee is a starter on a like contending team. Like, we hope we we you know we expect Cade to be that guy. We're pretty sure that uh, Sadiq will at least be a, a at least a role player on a good team. You know, same yeah. with Stu. We you know we don't know if Stu's a starter on a contender or a role player on a con- but like, pretty sure he's good. But like. We have one guy that we know is a starter on a contender. Why would I want a top five pick? I don't know. <laughs> like, well, I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know. Maybe having a guy wrapped up for four years who is you know expected to be an all star is good. I just, yeah, I, I think that's probably the best plan. Like, I'm gonna watch a lot of Paolo Banchero film and a lot of AJ Griffin film, and I'm gonna be happy with that. And I cannot wait to learn who those players are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk. That's it about some of these meta topics we've got uh, floating around. Maybe hit, what are we at, 30 minutes? So we can hit maybe one or two of them. Yep. Uh, what do we expect Dwayne Casey's winning timeline up to be? <sighs> this one's going to be a tough one, I think. This is definitely one of the ones that we kind of looked at. So, obviously, Jeremy Grant is going to be in that starting lineup. Yep. Sadiq Bay is going to be in that lineup. Probably. Those Are those the only two guarantees? Or do you think there's someone else who's like guaranteed has to be in the lineup doesn't matter what happens like I, Cade I if he gets healthy I, like, I would I would expect like Cade. you would hope he'd be in there yeah I, he was the clutchest player in basketball last year for college <laughs> basketball um almost by so. design I, I another uh I tweeted this out today podcaster voice uh thing but like Cade's whole thing last year was spending the entire first half just like figuring people out and finding all their weaknesses, and then spending the whole second half stabbing them in the heart over and over and over <laughs> again. Uh, that was, like, his whole shtick. Uh, yeah. His whole, like, superpower is being, like, an excellent processor of information, so he becomes a clutch-time monster. And yep. uh, love all that. So I expect him to be in closing lineups. Okay, he, so uh, we got we got Cade as one of the guards. We yep. got Jeremy and Sadiq on the wings. So that means we got two more spots to fill in. The second guard, and I'm guessing a big. Which one do you want to start trying to figure out? So we maybe got a little bit of an answer today because that was Corey Joseph ending yep, the game instead of Killian. Uh, again, I'm not 
convinced that that's not because Kojo was the better tank commander because he was terrible today and Killian was even though Killian didn't score Killian was probably better veteran presence yeah you <laughs> can't see the air marks. quotes but I hope you know that he was using air quotes the uh, biggest of air quotes on that one but Casey is famous for trusting vets in situations like this and I just expect that to be Kojo probably so then it becomes a question of Wait, uh, hold up. I'm not I'm not done with this yet. Oh, oh. Wild card. Frank Jackson. No. Frank Jackson's hot. He's feeling it. You can't take him out. He's a microwave uh, score. No. And and I'll tell you why. Uh, he's not good at defense. He's not good at defense. No. He is not I'm, good at defense, and that's all Dwayne Casey wants. That's true. <laughs> this so is Dwayne so, Casey. So the, the wrinkle <laughs> here is, does he go with the veteran old head Kelly Olynyk or yep. Stu? That was and what I, I was. I honestly, I don't remember. Did they close with Kelly or Stu today? I gotta pull up my. Uh, I think they closed with Kelly, but I could be wrong on that. I gotta, I gotta pull up my. Where's my? I forget what the the website's called. It's been too long. Is it ballandboxscore.com? It's great. <laughs> it's a it's a great website that does like a full lineup mapping. And at the end of the game, Stu came uh, in with the Corey fifth Joseph. Kelly Olynyk was in for like the last like three minutes, and. Uh, Nope, you were wrong. So, Stu came in. Assuming we got, we got the fourth quarter. So, Stu comes in with oh, no, he, five-minute mark. He subbed out at the 57-second mark. Yep, and then Kelly came in. I have it at the 40, 41st second left. Okay, so I'm just scrolling like through. Stu was the close until the very yep. end yep. where so he needed would, the three-point shooting. I would say so that maybe Because they, they <laughs> closed today with Joseph. Uh, Joseph, they did close with Frank Jackson. Uh, Sadiq Bay. Grant, Stewart, Frank, and Kojo. And, uh... So do you think that Cade would be the one that subs in for Frank? Yeah, I would the, assume uh, that, that it's Cade instead of Frank. Yeah. So, interesting, interesting to see whether uh, Stu maintains that. Obviously, I think foul trouble will drive that um, more than anything else, but... Uh, yeah. Do you agree with that as the closing lineup, or do you think there should be some changes to it? I mean, I would normally expect Kojo to play better because he's not this shit. He was terrible yeah. today, but... I don't uh, know what happened to him today. <laughs> I mean, probably... Uh, yeah, I... I Stuart Olenek is a toss-up to me. Um, yeah. I think it probably depends on how I'm feeling just like in terms of the momentum um, and whether or not I feel like I need to be hitting the, the pick-and-pop threes. Uh, and I think that's probably an in-game adjustment thing. But yeah, I don't... Unless you're like getting like the hottest game of Josh Jackson's life or something, probably not changing anything. Yeah, there. I would say Josh Jackson, Hami, are both people that like they really had to be in like a Sadiq or Jeremy Grant spot, and obviously they're not going to be playing over them in closing time. So it's kind of hard to slot them into the lineup, even at a two guard. Like if Josh Jackson has like a phenomenal year and really continues what he started in the last year, I could see him like playing him along K to be a lot of fun in a closing time lineup at a two. I don't know if it would work necessarily better than like a Killian Hayes there, but it'd be something that I wouldn't be opposed to seeing. But I just don't think it's going to happen. I think it's I think Kojo's going to be out there. It's going to be Kojo, probably Cade, Sadiq Bay, Jeremy Grant, and I guess Isaiah Stewart. But it might might as well be Kelly Olenek in times as well, depending on depending on matchup, depending on lineup. So, all right. So the last couple topics I have are all about skill development. And I think the most interesting one to talk about here is pathways to playmaking development. 
and just um, you know watching Sadiq Bay and thinking about the different ways he can evolve as a playmaker. And I think um, you know there are there are a couple of different layers to playmaking, right? There's there's just purely the vision, how much you're you're able to play with your head up, how much you're able to see, how much you're able to anticipate movement. Um, but there's also uh, your handle, right? If you if you're not comfortable dribbling with your offhand, if you're not comfortable picking the ball up one-handed, um, you know, if you're not comfortable, you know, maybe not even picking the ball up, but but you know, using like the scoop motion, right? To just kind, of, those those are all things that you can work on to become a better playmaker. And then of course the the you know your own scoring threat and scoring gravity. And I think it's interesting because I can't pinpoint any one of those things that Sadiq has like evolved in, you know? And, and um, so I just think it's interesting that like he has clearly made like a, a, a playmaking leap so far compared to last year. Yeah. And I'm, I'm and wondering if you've seen, for that, but I, I, I'm wondering if you've seen something that like you're tying that to. I mean, I hate to be general about this, but I don't think there's anything in particular I've seen that Sadiq has taken a necessary, like, specific step up in terms of his playmaking ability i think it's just more of you know kind of a comfort level and i mean he's going from being a rookie in the league with no training camp no preseason to having a full training camp full preseason he's got time in the g league and he's a lot more comfortable with the game and able to see it a lot more smoother that's just i think um something that for all players just takes a little bit of time to adjust to that nba pace and while it's a little bit easier to kind of figure out from like a shooting and a attacking the rim perspective it doesn't take as long to kind of grasp that in terms of grasping you know who's going to be cutting where who's going to be you know going towards the basket when I when I drive into this spot on the floor that kind of understanding is just something that'll just take more time and that's the thing I think that I've noticed particularly with Sadiq is just it feels like he's kind of more comfortable now um, knowing where people are going to be at and kind of anticipating what's going to happen if he goes to a certain spot and I don't think there's any I don't think he like spent all summer like you know, playing pickup ball, trying to see who's going to be where. I think it's just something that as you, you know, you sit with an NBA coach, you go through the film sessions, you go through, you know, practice every day, you go through these training camps and everything else. It's just something that just comes over time. And especially for someone with kind of Sadiq's instincts as a basketball player, I think it's something that was always, always going to kind of expand and always get better. So it's nice to see that, you know, it is continuing, it is happening because you know, there are players that just that never, that like sense of the floor doesn't ever come. Uh, but it's nice to see that even just the secondary is already getting that step forward and continuing on the progression as a really good young player. I, I think for me, I think it's probably mostly in like his handle and just his comfort, yeah. like handling under pressure. And, you know, because when we say the game slows down for people, a lot of times what's really happening is like they're more comfortable with their micro skills that they're able to process other information. You know, it's like, oh, God, I'm being defended from behind. I'm not, you know, people aren't used to that. So they, you know, they're they're bobbling the dribble and they can't make decisions. And I, I'm guessing that's probably just kind of like the comfort level dribbling, the comfort level posting up and, and like holding post position is where he's probably made the biggest leap. I think that's kind of that, that um, you know, that sophomore leap everyone gets is, is you know what to expect now. But I think it's interesting. I think it's really interesting to think about how um, – like what can Stu do to become a better playmaker? You know, because I, I think for him it's going to be mostly a vision issue, and, yeah. and uh, you know, what what is he seeing? How is he feeling things? 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I did this. This was uh, while you were talking. I was thinking about Kelly Olynyk tonight, and how like four <laughs> different times, Kelly Olynyk like waited three seconds before passing the ball to a wide open teammate, and just like ruined a play completely. And I think he might be the tank commander, like super secretly. <laughs> Stealth tank. He like there was a there was a, a play where he, I think I think there was like a somebody got like stripped in transition or something. So uh, the Pistons like get a turnover. They're running on the break, and and there's uh, Josh Jackson running like at the top of the arc. Kojo's in like the slot at the break, and Kelly is dribbling the ball up. Kojo is screaming for the ball. There's nobody within like 10 feet of him. He's screaming for the ball. Kelly looks right at him, looks right at him, looks right at him. He's dribbled like just up to the arc himself, and then he gives it to Josh, who has a man defending him. And like, I don't know if he thought that Josh would then like, I I don't know if he was thinking that like Josh getting the ball would like force his man to commit to him and then he could swing to Kojo or what, but like, he gave like the defense a good probably two to three seconds to like set up, and it was just like Kelly, when your point guard is screaming at you, doing jumping jacks with nobody in ten within ten feet of him on the three point line, give him the ball. This is not hard. And there was another one. Again, I'm pretty sure he was dribbling it up or had just caught it in like a semi transition thing, and I think it was, it was either Frank or Sadiq. It was a, it was a legitimately good shooter in the right corner. Kelly had just either caught or dribbled the ball up to the, like, right break and just, like, looked him off and then looked and realized that there was a defender in front of him. And I was like, hmm, oh, that's, <laughs> I fucked this up. It was just like, why just, he's wide open. Why are you not passing to the dude who's a good shooter in the corner, wide open? What are we doing? And this is, well, it was so weird because his is... last, his last, like, playoff games, he was, like, sh- like throwing, like, behind-the-back passes. And it was, like, it was, like, playmaking point Kelly. What? It was so weird. The the problem is you don't really want, you know, Kelly Olynyk being the one to bring the ball to the court. That's no problem number one. It, it kind of starts. It kind of stems from there. Good decisions are not typically made. He's no made. I, Yeah, <laughs> he's no point. You, you can plumbly. make some. You can make some good outlet passes, but I don't want him dribbling and then passing. It's kind of for pretty much all bigs. That is a bit uh, a bit of a stumbling block um, there. So I didn't <laughs> I didn't particularly catch the plays, but yeah, that that checks out. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I clipped them. So well, they will be on the timeline. You clipped eventually. every play, so that's not fair. There's <laughs> I clipped safe like half of them. <laughs> there may or may not be a cease and desist coming. <laughs> yeah, I think Twitter's going to ask for their at server what, space at back. At what point is it fair use? <laughs> uh, all right. Any last points here before we? I can get no, back to the end of this. I'm so glad basketball is back. Celtics game. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Is it? Uh, what's what's the score in Knicks Celtics? Uh, it is 130 to 132 to 131. Julius Randle's got an on one. Are we in overtime? Uh, there's a minute 46 left in double OT. Oh, okay. Well, then <laughs> yeah. we'll have to let you go. We will uh, <laughs> talk to everyone sometime next week, probably after after a game again. So yeah, yep. I think we don't have a specific kind of set schedule like we kind of did last year. No. So it'll be a little bit more play it by ear, just based on our work schedules and work life, but. Yeah. Hopefully, what, next Wednesday, Thursday, hopefully we'll have something going up. Yes. So. And then maybe we'll get the uh, get one out on Saturday after the, uh, hopefully, the Cade debut. We'll see. Fingers crossed. Although, right. I don't know if Saturday night's the, Saturday the 30th might not be the best time. <laughs> what I'm goes on earlier that. that day? I'm going to be passed out drunk. <laughs> 
regardless oh, is that of Michigan, how the game. Michigan State. Yeah, game? it's Michigan, oh, Michigan State. Yeah, that's right. Oh, there's going to be slander in the chat that day. I'm going to be in <laughs> no may, mood to be talking. That, that may or may not be game. a good day for you and I to, to talk to each no. other. <laughs> it's not. That is. It, it, that's it correct. Will not be a great time. <laughs> oh, uh, one way or the uh, other. Uh, <laughs> I am not. I I uh, I just moved buildings at work a couple of weeks ago, and I don't yet know which coworkers are MSU fans and which coworkers are Michigan people. It's engineering, so mostly Michigan. Yeah. It's been like a seventy percent Michigan uh, building for the most part, but uh, I haven't sussed it out yet. And we're entering dangerous territory where I, I don't know if I'm allowed to like wear a Michigan hat to work or not. <laughs> I have to. Well, I would I, say you got to wear it and find out. I got to double <laughs> you check. You can figure it out pretty quickly. <laughs> I'm sure anyone will let you know. <laughs> Well, you guys just got to hold up your end of the bargain and win next weekend. So we're yeah. both undefeated going into it. Yeah, I hope so. All right. Yep. We will talk to you sometime before then. Peace out. Sounds good. See you later. Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.